0: Radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is episode 48, recorded on Friday, September 10th from Milwaukee. I'm Joe.
1: And I'm Jason.
0: And on today's episode, we will discuss the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and its lasting impact on U.S. politics today. But first, the headlines. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. Up first in headlines, California has a recall election in just a few days. For those of you who are not aware, California residents had a recall petition for some time now and it eventually did pass for an actual recall election of their governor, Gavin Newsom.
1: There are essentially two questions on the recall election. The first is do Californians want to remove Gavin Newsom from office which currently uh polling from 538 shows that keep is in the lead at 55.7 percent whereas remove is at 41.3 percent hopefully that and it is trending in that direction to keep which is the best possible outcome not that I think Gavin Newsom is an amazing governor but because the second question and you can vote for who you want to replace Gavin Newsom even if you you do vote to keep him yep. but the polling on that is showing that larry elder is way ahead of anyone else he's the leading republican current, going against. and him. he's the leading candidate overall yes um he's way ahead of the next closest and you only need a majority to win you don't need to get over a certain percentage there's no rundown election like we had in georgia so if newsom is replaced it's almost certainly going to be with larry elder he's currently at 26 percent. the next closest candidate and it is all the way down at 7% in the latest polling.
0: And there was some concern earlier on, I think like earlier last month, because you had some polls that were showing the remove and keep questions actually pretty neck and neck with Elder being very out in front. And that was probably like, I think like four to five different polls happening in California at the time. And that freaked a lot of Dems out. Now it's kind of going back to normal again, where people are saying, I don't want a crazy Republican as my governor. And we should like probably clarify that as too. I know you have a quote from Larry Elder here, but like. Larry Elder's not like a you know typical California Republican. Like he's not like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type, but he's a crazy mofo.
1: Yeah, the implications for the country at large, if this happens, is that Diane Feinstein, also not a great senator. No, but a Democratic senator from California. Super old. I think she's what eighty eight years old currently. That if anything were to happen, if she were either to retire or have some health concerns that would keep her out of office that she would be replaced with a Republican. And Larry Elder has basically said he will do exactly that. His quote from the Mark Levin show, just the fact that he's on the Mark Levin show kind of tells you he's insane. But uh, his quote is, God forbid Governor Elder should replace Diane Feinstein who nobody's seen in weeks. I'm told she has a worse mental condition than even Joe Biden. They're afraid I'm going to replace her with a Republican which I most certainly would do and that would be an earthquake in Washington DC.
0: And on top of that this is also very new territory for California as well because they mailed every single person a ballot for this one so there's going to be mass mail or mail-in voting for this one. Now pollsters were also talking about how there now may be even like a red shift in this election where obviously we saw like in the 2020 election where there was a blue shift because you had Democrats who were just voting hard in mail-by voting and people were Republicans were voting hard in person now they're actually predicting some kind of red shift where actually you're going to see a big turnout for Gavin Newsom early on and then it's going to slowly dip towards some kind of even playing field but it was from recent polls it looks like it's pretty safe right now not guaranteed we we already know that's not
1: guaranteed but yeah I think looking at 538 polls and judging on that has gotten us in trouble a couple other times
0: right but and I'll maybe even link the um, 538 podcast that discussed these exact polls as well because they did a really great job where they're talking about well and some of these pollsters were very good nationwide but they're very new or not as great at surveying california residents either so that's why you saw the initial like head-to-head heat in august but now it's kind of going back to normal so they think it's going to be like this for the actual election too Yeah.
1: so hopefully uh, gavin newsom stays as the governor of california and the senate remains in democratic control as basically the the 50 50 tie yep because that would be a way to lose it wouldn't it oh my god no kidding so on to our next story let's talk about justice a traitor Karma. to America
0: and also Robert E. Lee, infringement on my rights or something. What what would be the talking point from crazy right wing people? They Removing this our... is cancel culture. Okay, oh, can- yeah, you're right, cancel culture, and they're removing our history.
1: You can't teach about Robert E. Lee anymore once his statue was removed from the former Confederate capital of Richmond, Virginia. It was a 21 foot tall statue of Robert E. Lee on his horse. Uh, hey, it part- was a big one, part of a 60 foot overall. Like there's the giant pedestal that he's yeah, on to like, like a big monument of course which had been defaced during the george floyd protest good job everyone and had been part of a legal battle for some time with the mayor of richmond pushing to remove the statue and racists and confederate lovers everywhere suing to try to keep it the courts decided that it can and should be removed and now it is gone
0: according to the cnn article the group of richmond residents sued arguing that the 1890 1890- deed and an 1899 General Assembly joint resolution prohibited the governor from directing the removal of a state monument from state property. The plaintiffs also complained that property rights to enforce the deeds saying they required Virginia to perpetually keep the Lee statue in place. And then the Virginia Supreme Court basically said, nah, that's stupid and said that all of your lawsuits have no meaning and no bearing whatsoever and immediately overturned it.
1: And of course, it's it's a symbol of racism. It's a symbol of this worship of Confederate officials and generals. That is all nonsense. It's, well, it's it is. all part of the lost cause myth Yep, that, oh, these were just great people trying to defend their homes against Northern aggression, and they didn't really like slavery. That wasn't the point of it. It was all about states' rights and defending their home, which, of course, is nonsense. They were all slave owners. Robert E. Lee was a slave owner, by all accounts, very indifferent didn't care to manage slaves. But when he was in charge of his wife's slaves, known as a very disciplinarian, mean, cruel master, not the humble Southern gentleman (laughs) that, you know, you may see in history books that are heavily influenced by this, this lost cause myth.
0: Well, and he's on record even saying that he's fighting for the right for slavery. It's, it's nonsense. There's no point of this. And the idea again, I know we've talked about this before, but the whole argument of how they're just, destroying our history because we're removing these monuments it is just nonsense and i am so done with this disingenuous argument too where i just, i can't believe that we're even having this argument today where we have libraries and online catalogs and databases that you can still learn about these things i just oh i hate it it's so dishonest
1: i want to read the statement from our former president who is of course propping up this myth and of course and he is standing behind white supremacists on this and defending one of their Heroes. Good people on both sides. Just watched as a massive crane took down the magnificent and very famous statue of Robert E. Lee on his horse in Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> it has long been recognized as a beautiful piece of bronze sculpture.
0: A beautiful piece of bronze sculpture?
1: That's what he wrote. All right. To add insult to injury, those who support this taking now plan to cut it into three pieces and throw this work of art into storage. Prior to its complete desecration. This take. Why is taking in quotes? They took it. (laughs) Taking. I think he's going to try to make a movie with Liam Neeson. (laughs) it's gonna be a whole thing robert e lee is considered by many generals capitalized like the it's the <laughs> yeah. washington generals right that he's talking about clearly to be the greatest strategist of them all president lincoln wanted him to command the north in which case the war would have been over in one day
0: one day <laughs> oh my god
1: robert e lee instead chose the other side because of his great love of virginia and except for gettysburg <laughs> would have won the war Showing he's such a great historian.
0: <laughs> Except for Gettysburg.
1: He should be remembered as perhaps the greatest unifying force after the war was unifying over. Unifying
0: force! Oh my god! Ardent
1: in his resolve to bring the North and South together through many means of reconciliation. Like the Ku Klux Klan. Right! And imploring his soldiers to do their duty in becoming good citizens of this country.
0: Like the Ku Klux Klan, you know?
1: Yeah. Our culture is being destroyed. Oh, there and it is. our history and heritage, both good and bad, are being extinguished by the radical left.
0: And there's the white replacement theory. And
1: we can't let that happen. If only we had Robert E. Lee <gasps> to command our troops in <gasps> oh, Afghanistan. No. Oh, no! That disaster would have ended in a complete and total victory many years ago. Oh, dear. What an embarrassment we are suffering because we don't have the genius Genius. of a Robert E. Lee. Genius, Robert E. Lee. Yeah, this is some, oh my God. some heavy jock riding <laughs> by why? Donald Trump. Which and let's ignore a lot of this stuff. I just want to point out that Robert E. Lee, by actual military historians, is not considered a great general. No. He specifically only wanted to defend Virginia and didn't care about the rest of the South. And basically Sherman's March to the Sea, where he, you know, burned cities throughout the South, was because Robert E. Lee refused to move. His army from defending Virginia, and he's basically the reason why the war went on for so long because he just took defensive positions. So yeah, oh, he's this great unifier. All he did is get his troops killed and make the war drag on at its end when it was very clear the South was going to lose. What a
0: bizarre take! I I cannot even imagine that Trump even gives a rip about this.
1: And if you want to learn about the this history and why people say all of these things about the generals and and what the actual historical perspective is there's an amazing youtube channel uh, it's called atanshe films it's like a made up word but if you just search for checkmate lincolnites he's got an entire series basically going back and forth between a fictional union and confederate soldier arguing a lot of things people say online and a lot of the like this uh lost cause theory and uh, this exact jock riding of Confederate generals that we're seeing from our former president, uh, and does a really good job, uh, and it's very funny, and I I, I think everybody should should uh, go out and take a look and see how wrong, uh, of course, Donald Trump is in this. But yes, how crazy was it that he said, "Well, we would have won in Afghanistan years ago if we just had good leadership," him being, of course, in charge of the troops in Afghanistan right. many years ago. Right. I. Oh my God. I I just don't get it. But yes, if Robert E. Lee was the commander in Afghanistan, the war would have been over very quickly because he probably would have just left and gone to Virginia.
0: Well, I I can't go over the fact that he's called like this great unifier. Oh my God. We'll include the Checkmate Lincolnites in the show notes. It's amazing. I I definitely recommend that. So let's move on. Next up, the U.S. Justice Department is suing Texas over the new abortion ban they put in place.
1: This comes from a press conference last night by Attorney General Merrick Garland. Who should be on the Supreme Court. Who, yeah, should have already been serving on the supreme court for the past four years has said that the texas abortion ban is unconstitutional and denies civil rights to americans and specifically i think the important part of that is he details how it blocks federal laws from being enacted uh, for health insurance things like that for federal federal employees in texas which is what will give the federal government standing to sue texas
0: well and let's i'll quote from the lawsuit right here. The act is clearly unconstitutional under long-standing Supreme Court precedent. That is true. Those precedents hold in the words of Planned Parenthood v. Casey that regardless of whether exceptions are made for particular circumstances, a state may not prohibit any woman from making the ultimate decision to terminate her pregnancy before viability. Now, the issue is, is the Supreme Court going to buy this?
1: Yeah, ultimately, this is going to end up in front of the Supreme Court. Yes, it will. It's a lawsuit, so you'll get lower courts making decisions or just pushing it up and you'll probably get a stay on this abortion ban for a little while. It'll probably go back and forth and then eventually we'll end up at the Supreme Court where they're going to have to make a decision of whether or not they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, which is kind of what they want anyway. Right. That's the was always the point of all of this. The Texas law, as we talked about last week, is specifically designed to thwart judicial review and to basically stay a intact as long as possible because of the way it abdicates responsibility from the state and like deputizes regular citizens citizens. to become bounty hunters.
0: Well, and that's going to be the um, Texas's argument, right? Where you have them saying, well, the state cannot enforce any parts of this act. That's why we wrote it in the act itself. So any people from the state or the government of Texas cannot enforce this law, which I'm sure is going to bring at least a couple of people who just don't
1: care about precedent over to their side.
0: It's good to see the, Biden administration actually doing something though yeah, and
1: they point out again that some of the things that we pointed out last week that this bypasses the constitution yep and basically if you went around you could go around any law or any civil right by doing this exact same thing
0: if they actually cared about precedent that'd be their big thing to wear again according to this decision they made before they clearly do not care about precedent so I can clearly see them talking about like we said before if New York wants to ban guns by this way and they'll immediately go, no, 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 We don't care. We don't care what kind of precedent we made in the past. You can't deputize citizens to sue people if they have guns or something like that. Because, again, these are not objective Supreme Court justices that we have here. We have at least five crazy radical right-wing activists, one super conservative institutionalists, and three liberals who are also institutionalists. And, you know, as the Opening Arguments podcast talks about how, like, this is the howler monkey contingent, they have absolutely no regard at all for how to keep the Supreme Court as a reputable institution for years to come. It's all about how can we make change happening right now from the bench. And that was the whole idea behind Mitch McConnell's and now Trump's plans, where it's not about having people who are qualified to review the law. It's about how can we get court decisions in our favor and just be happy about it so they can't overturn it anymore.
1: A strategy backed primarily by the Federalist Society. Bingo. All we can do is wait on this and see what happens throughout the lower courts and then eventually hope that sanity will somehow prevail in the Supreme Court or force them to actually overturn Roe v. Wade. And hopefully Susan Collins's head explodes and the country can see what the Republican strategy has been for the last 10 years.
0: Mm -hmm. And for those of you who may think this is potentially good news, it Yeah, is. I'm not going to lie. But we also have to realize that the damage has also been done. Women are already not getting abortions in Texas because of this law. Abortion clinics are being closed down all over the state because they physically cannot stay open until this is overturned and if they try to come back they may not have the means to do so so as of right now the damage is done and we are seeing the effects already happening so jason i see two beautiful photos of sean spicer in this article i
1: know that you're a fan i'm a big sean spicer fan But hopefully he's getting paid enough from his Newsmax show because he's about to lose his other job. Tell me about it. So, the earlier this week, the White House has reached out to 18 officials who were appointed by Donald Trump, including Kellyanne Conway, Sean Spicer, H.R. McMaster, and some others who were appointed gift positions as the heads of Military Service Academy advisory boards.
0: I think we talked about this when it happened, too, didn't we? Like, when he actually appointed
1: these people i have to go back in the archives and check all right sounds good i'm not sure he basically asked wrote them letters telling them to resign from their positions or they would be removed they of course refused because it's all about show it's all about
0: the tyranny of joe biden
1: yeah and that they're saying literally oh this is an overstep a crazy overstep of power and something completely out of the norms for a u.s president and they served under donald trump and the skies didn't open. Open up and just murder them with the combined weight of the irony that's involved in this.
0: So, is this an actual example of tyranny, though? Is
1: it? Is this something unusual? Is this something that's uh, well? It must be something super bad norms? if they're putting up such a stink about it, right? Of course not. Oh, okay. This is what happens generally during these administration changes. People that were appointed as favors from the previous president and are not qualified are generally removed and replaced with other people that are just being given favors and are not qualified. So not really that unusual. It's stupid, but (laughs) it's not like Kellyanne Conway really belonged there in the first place. Same with Sean Spicer. What does he have to do with any of this? I think he served in the uh, Naval Reserves. Those are his qualifications. Hooray. Some of the other names involved, Michael Wynn, John Keane, Megan Mobs, David Urban, Heidi Stirrup, Douglas McGregor, Joan Cole. And some of these people do have military experience. There's a former general and a retired colonel in there, but they're Trump political appointees and they serve at the pleasure of the president. And the president does not want them there. So they're going to be removed. That's how this works. Bye bye. There is a lawsuit that's being prepared uh, by a few of them, including Kellyanne Conway and Sean Spicer. <laughs> That'll be fun when that gets dismissed. So we'll look out for that, but it's something that's been in the news, so we figured we'd mention it. It's fun anytime you can make fun of
0: the total incompetence of it, that previous administration.
1: Particularly Kellyanne Conway and Sean Spicer. Yes. <laughs> why they are the ones always mentioned in all of these headlines. Sewer Rat Barbie and Spicy Spicer. There was another press conference last night, which I watched this morning. President Biden announced some new plans for dealing with COVID. The conservative and Republican
0: nightmares have officially come true. There will be vaccine mandates. And
1: lawyers everywhere rejoiced. (laughs) That's how we're going to get the economy back on track. (laughs) Just all through legal fees. Everyone will become a lawyer and we'll all sue each other. Part of his order
0: comes through the Department of Labor where the department is actually going to order through OSHA guidelines that any company over 100 employees, I think that's correct, or 100 and over employees, will be required to vaccinate all of their employees
1: or get them tested or get
0: them tested on top of that you also have Biden required all federal employees to become vaccinated with very few exceptions (laughs) which good what are your thoughts on all of this Jason
1: well when I woke up halfway through listening to the speech the one thing that struck me is it seems like Biden is angry at people not getting vaccinated he spent a lot of time chastising the unvaccinated which I can totally understand Mm -hmm. that They are the reason why we aren't able to get out of this. They're the reason why all these variants are spreading everywhere. Yeah, I do wish that he would have spent more time discussing people needing to follow other standards other than just vaccination. It's everything was put on vaccination, almost indicating that, well, if you're vaccinated, then you're fine. You can just do whatever. And that's not the case. I don't think that follows the best practices and guidelines that we've seen come out of the medical community. With these variants and the Delta variant being more likely to cause breakout cases, with people being more likely to spread even if you are vaccinated, you should still be wearing masks. You should still be not going in big gatherings you know, practice social distancing. We need to continue those safety measures in order to stop this spread. Just vaccination alone at this point that we're at with the Delta variant being so prevalent throughout the... The country just vaccination alone isn't going to solve this issue, right? Yeah, and and I think his speech focused a little too heavily on vaccination as a solution, and it will be the solution. But also, we do need to remember that we're not done with the pandemic; it's not over; it's not a thing of the past. We're still in the middle of it, and people need to behave accordingly. And I I just don't see it. I mean, you go anywhere, and people are. I was. at a street fair last weekend here, uh, like a mile away from my house, very large, lot of people there. No one wearing, I think we saw five people total wearing masks. I was wearing a mask. There was someone at one of the booths wearing a mask. And, you know, we tried our best to stay away from people and, you know, just spend some time outside. But it was shocking that you literally could look through a large crowd of hundreds of people and not see a single one wearing a mask with the types of transmission rates we're seeing right now. I just think that, that people are tired of it, they're fatigued from it, and they don't want to do it anymore, and they just don't care what that means. And I'm not happy about that.
0: Well, and I don't know if you saw, but now recent numbers are showing that the U.S. is now breaking 1,500 deaths a day, which is, I think, as big as it's been since March. So, like it, Things are getting worse again.
1: Yeah, we're seeing it throughout the South right now, and if it follows what the sur- that happened last fall that will begin to move into the upper midwest yep and then we're gonna start seeing these large spikes and our hospitals will be start to be overwhelmed you look at the numbers even in wisconsin right now for hospitalizations and icu they've been skyrocketing and it's again you go outside you look people no one's taking it seriously i think in january and february if you were in any public place in a grocery store anything like that It would have been more common to see people wearing masks, and it would be unusual to have people spread throughout there without masks. Now it's the exact opposite. You may have one or two people with masks, and the vast majority of people don't. And it's not going to stop just because of that.
0: Well, that's where a lot of the criticism, or at least the rational criticism, came about this statement, which was scientists have said that this should have been done a lot sooner. The fact that he waited all the way until now to do this vaccine mandate, which we can talk about the political implications of that, the damage is already already done. I'm sorry. Like Delta is spreading. We already had the first couple of huge waves and we had our chances to have let this happen and have people get vaccinated. But now it's too late. People are dying and that's just what it's going to be. I mean, even now you have conservatives who are just going out of their minds about this, even though I'm sure the vast majority of them are probably already vaccinated to begin with. And I mean, did you even see like what Madison Cawthorn announced after this? No. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Madison Cawthorn is a crazy Trumpy guy out of north carolina and he recently announced that he's going to create legislation to gut osha over this but that's ending workplace safety to own the libs right i mean that's the reactions we're getting that's the common reactions those aren't even the rational ones it's just bad man
1: i did like that uh, biden took an obvious shot at desantis during that speech. yeah <laughs> Talking about irresponsible governors who are trying to stop mask mandates in schools. I wonder who he's talking about. Who also, by the way, DeSantis is appealing the reversal on his mandate ban. I don't even know. It's like a backwards reverse double He's basically appealing the court ruling that stated he was not able to prevent mask mandates in Florida. Something else I'm sure the Supreme Court will have to decide on.
0: Hooray. But overall, I mean, this is good news. It's good to see that we have leadership that's actually doing this. I mean, could you imagine if Trump was still president right now? Gotta
1: have your freedoms. I understand. Freedom. I love the word. Everyone always says, I love freedom more than anyone else.
0: Could you imagine having Trump as president and everyone just begging him? to just say get the vaccine and he would just refuse to do it and everyone's like just you don't have to mandate anything just tell them that they should at least get it i'm so happy we don't live in that world because our vaccination rates would be so much lower than what they are now that was really a productive segment wasn't it it's hard to get
1: any word in with this clown
0: 20 years ago, a horrific attack happened on U.S. soil, something that hasn't been seen since Pearl Harbor during World War II, and it changed the country forever. And what we wanted to do today is talk about how we saw those changes happen. We're not going to dive into crazy details about what's going on. We're not going to give you long lengthy monologues or info drops. You can find that from a plenty of other podcasts, like NPR has a good one, I know, and some other ones that I can link in the show notes too. We want to give our stories from what we are seeing and what we're seeing, how the world has changed because of 9-11, how America has changed since 9-11 and give our stories in the process. So I don't have, I have a decent amount of memory of what happened on 9-11. I was nine years old at the time. And I want to say I was third grade, fourth grade, whenever that is. I was in elementary school. I wasn't taken out of school, but I do remember my mom actually taking me from school, telling me that something happened. And I had a vague idea because we heard some mumblings throughout the school while it was going on. And I was actually forced to watch the news remotely. Most of the day because i was told i had to know what was going on but besides that at the time i really didn't know how big this was going to be how about you jason
1: i was in my early 20s i was unemployed at that time i was living in an apartment and so i would slept in a little bit that morning so i didn't see the initial planes hitting the building by the time i got up and was watching the news and kind of saw that everyone was talking about this one of the towers had already fallen and the second one was burning and i did watch as the second tower fell which was just incredible to me because looking at it you know it's hard to see the damage that was going on underneath the the structure there mm-hmm. so yeah i was basically glued to the tv for weeks after that and and the internet you know the computer just looking up different information what happened who was involved what do we know so far just you know the 24 7 news cycle that was at the time that i could fully invest in because didn't have anything else going on. And it's hard. I mean, obviously we're pretty far. From New York and Washington here but I lived right by the airport so the the days following just having no planes and it's weird you didn't really notice it when it was going on but that absence yeah of just the constant air traffic overhead it seemed so quiet well just outside. having everything shut down around mm-hmm. us and just occasionally you'd hear like the very loud military jets go across and then there would be nothing that's kind of the things that stick out to me uh, as far as the immediate aftermath and I I was I we kind of talked about that we both come from a little bit more of a conservative attitude before we became crazy radical lefties. So I was somebody that was you know all gung ho like we got to get them back that sort of thing. I was um, just
0: going to ask you about that if you had an opinion on actually going to war.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I would have been a hundred percent behind it. Okay, and so it is kind of funny to, to talk about now and and how my opinions have just completely flipped. From that time and you know my attitudes about the patriot act and and everything um then versus now are also like 180 so it is a little you know i wasn't nine years old i feel like you can you can uh kind of dismiss a lot of of you know what your attitudes or opinions might have been at that i was in my 20s so it's a lot more to kind of live down sure uh for me
0: well and for me i didn't have any opinions about it. i mean i knew it was a horrific you know tragic event that happened and but like i didn't really create any opinions or beliefs based off. It. I just knew that was a bad thing that happened. I wasn't able to understand what was going on at the time. It was for me. That's what was going on. I do know that many of the adults around me were very concerned, like everyone else was. And I do remember a vague sense of unity and patriotism right after it. And I don't want to go into it quite yet, because I think this would be a good thing to kind of end on. But there's a meme that goes around that says, I miss September 12th, the day after September 11th, where people were just really coming together and waving the flag proudly and trying to stand together as one country. Now, we can talk about how that feels now, after everything we know, but I do remember that happening to some point. Did you feel that when you were older, or was I just kind of being naive with my young age?
1: 100% that was the attitude. I mean, you'd, uh, every kind of public event that would take place after that, you'd have the USA chance, and yep. there would they were playing... Uh, God bless America. Constantly, I've never been even when I was more conservative. I've never been a big rah rah person. Sure, I'm not. I'm not the one that's going to chant USA and, sure. and all that. So that all kind of rung hollow to me, even at that point, but it was everywhere. And you'd see things like, uh, you know, they would show pictures of, oh, look, a French ship going past an American ship and they had an American flag and everybody was, all that, that was all prevalent at that time. Those were, you know, the stories that you'd see. Yeah. And there was a lot of jingoism. I mean, a lot of, which...
0: It sounds weird to say, but yes, I mean, that's what it was. We didn't know it at the time because... we were in it. Mm-hmm. But like, that, the idea of nationalism and Djangoism, like, that's what was taking place, and which led to a lot of pretty intense consequences. So you know, we can talk about the war in Afghanistan. We don't have to go too crazy into it, but just the starting mm-hmm. of the war in Afghanistan after that. You had George W. Bush, who had skyrocketing approval numbers at the time. You had uh, Mayor Giuliani, which is kind of crazy to think about. He was seen as America's mayor. He
1: parlayed that into a run for president briefly. Right.
0: And the rally around the flag principle was in full effect all the way until Bush actually declared war on Afghanistan and told us that we were going to send troops over there to get the guys responsible for this. And what was interesting about that, now I have to look back on it because, again, I was just way too young and maybe you can shed some light on as well, is there wasn't much disagreement over going to war in Afghanistan. I mean, yes, among common people, there was probably very little disagreement about going to Afghanistan, but even among legislators in the House and Senate, those who tried to say that they disagreed with it, even though they were horrified about what happened, were very quickly shut down.
1: There was a direct connection between Afghanistan and Al-Qaeda. They were, the leaders of Al-Qaeda, including Osama bin Laden, were in Afghanistan after September 11th. And they were being protected by the Taliban government. Yes. There's stories that have come out just recently talking about what the negotiations were like there, and that possibly the Taliban Taliban had offered to turn over Osama bin Laden in exchange for keeping control of the country, which, of course, hindsight now, boy, wouldn't that have been a better deal than what we uh, have now, right? (laughs) Which is the Taliban back in charge of Afghanistan only after we spent 20 years occupying the country. So that's probably what we should have done instead of going to war. But yeah, very little resistance when it came to going after Afghanistan because they were harboring the people that were Behind the September 11th attack. There was even back then, though, still this uneasiness about Saudi Arabia's role in all of this, as most of the hijackers were Saudi nationals. And, you know, was the Saudi government involved in this? But they're our allies, so we don't really do anything to them, at least publicly. No one is pointing fingers at the Saudi government. That was kind of, from what I remember, the big controversy when it came to going after afghanistan is wait what about saudi arabia but that was that was about it there wasn't well we shouldn't do anything let's not throw away more american lives at this point just to get revenge because we want blood after we were attacked which is essentially what it boils down to yeah
0: it was revenge Mm -hmm.
1: and i think that's what if there was this option of just having the afghanistan government turn over the leaders of al-qaeda to us i think that might have been the reluctance you know well it was thousands of Americans who died in exchange for a handful of Al-Qaeda leaders that's not enough that's not an eye for an eye that we've got to kill at least the same number of people on the other side I think that was probably a factor in this
0: well maybe that's a good segue then to talk about the consequences of these feelings you brought up nationalism and djangoism how that just flourished after nine. And while that definitely brought a lot of people together, it also had a lot of negative aspects and a negative consequence because of it, too. What do you remember negatively about what happened, we'll say, in the early to mid-2000s because of these new behaviors?
1: Well, not so much because of Well, we can talk about the Patriot Act, which was a direct consequence and, and the creation of Homeland Security, ICE, the TSA, um, which, again, 20-some-year-old me would have been in favor of because what do you have to hide if you're not a terrorist
0: well and i will say there is actual psychological research on this as well where there was a study done i think in 2010 or 2009 something like that where they actually looked at people's attitudes right after 9-11 and they showed that while tragedy is happening or while something horrific is actually happening or in times of crisis per se i think that's probably the better way to put it people's authoritarian beliefs skyrocket and it doesn't matter whether you're a conservative or a Democrat, what they found in this study was actually, while people who were authoritarian actually just maintained their authoritarian positions, but people who were considered unauthoritarian actually skyrocketed to those same levels. So, let's keep in mind here, like, these were generally approved of because people were in this time of crisis that was happening.
1: And it's not just the September 11th that was going on at that time. You also had the anthrax scare in the yep, mail. I remember that. And the DC sniper yep, that were all kind of right on and, and created this just aura of paranoia and fear that we had at that same time for me personally i was just getting into the skeptic and scientific movement okay so my personal focus was from that perspective like the conspiracy theories that were popping up around the the towers and building seven and building four and all that and just which we should talk about as well by the way Mm -hmm. and so i i was kind of doing a lot of reading about that and and Popular Mechanics article that came out discussing why the the towers fell the way they did and it gave a really nice breakdown of everything. And, and, And we've mentioned this podcast a few times, but The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe was something I was listening to religiously at that time. And that was a lot of my focus. I wasn't terribly political around then. So a lot of that, like the Patriot Act and everything, I wouldn't have been, you know, digging through it. And, and trying to figure out what exactly it does and who it gives these powers to and how they could be dismantled later, I would have just taken it f- at face value, uh, which I think a lot of people did because who's got the time to sit there and do that? And I think if we're talking about the fallout from those things is they've never gone away. Of course they haven't. And that's something that I wish I would have been much more cognizant of is that these were never temporary things. The government was never going to to give these powers back some of the things from the patriot act have been rolled back by congress but very few well and
0: even look at the results of like tsa and ice where they just don't do what they were expected to do when they were first established i mean a lot of it's you know when you have like tsa stuff like a lot of that is even for show it doesn't actually help that much with security purposes when you look at the data of it and ice i mean heck there's a reason why we have abolished ice movements right now it's right. not about security it's about just basically taking immigrants away. and
1: it's a department that's only 20 years old.
0: Which is kind of weird. I mean, even the Department of Homeland Security, mm-hmm. like people think that's a long standing
1: department in this country, and it's not. 20 years old. And a lot of that was never u- used to fight terrorism. It, it, a lot of it was used to fight drug dealers and, as you said, immigrants, unfortunately. And that's, if I could have changed anything or told myself from 20 years ago anything to try to change my position, it would probably be that, that, you know, these things are not going to be used the way that you think they are, and they're never going to go away. I think that would have probably been the the best thing that I could have heard at that time, but can't change the past.
0: And while I didn't really have nuanced opinions about any of this, I did hear a lot of Islamophobic stuff that came out, and I think that's something we need to talk about as well, where if I could say anything to my younger self, it would be, you need to stand with Muslims and making sure that Muslim Americans have a home here because they're not responsible for this. And fortunately, we saw many tragic unfoldings to Muslims, unfortunately, because of these vicious and this full out hate of Muslim communities and Islam in general.
1: And that would be one thing that I'm still proud of. Even, you know, back then I was along with the skeptic community, I was embracing the atheist community, but I didn't I didn't buy into the Sam Harris style. uh, Islam is the mother load of bad ideas and we should maybe preempt nuke the Middle East. Oh, it's just a thought experiment, but maybe we should do that, and, and maybe we should start racially profiling people, because statistically, you know, just thinking clearly with logic, that would be the best thing to do. I never did buy into that. I always felt that that was just racism and, and thinly veiled at that, and uh, yeah, if they know that that's what you're doing, they're just going to go around it anyway, so it doesn't even make any sense to make these policies that are based on Any objective criteria anyway
0: well and that's the fortunate reality for the skeptic movement as well where it unfortunately merged islamophobia and criticism of the teachings of islam into one thing because people are stupid and emotional they don't know how to untangle these two things so when you have people like you know i know we both talked about this as well like years ago the issues with the skeptic movement you had people who were trying to say no i have actually valid issues with islam and people who control based on we'll say islam theology and islamic rule like there are very real issues here and people would decry it as Islamophobia, which led to many disputes and fights around because people would actually just be stupid enough to say that, well, because you're a Muslim, you're now bad for sure. And let's be real here. Like there's a reason why you and I are not Muslims and not friend of like the Islam theology. Same thing while we're not Christians either, but that doesn't excuse treating Muslims horribly. We should see it the same way we would treat Christians, but we don't because we know that there's a way of showing that they're different, that there's a visible way of seeing that there's a distinction between who is a Muslim versus who is a Christian in this country.
1: They're not our norm. Certainly, you can look at the Oklahoma City bombing, you can look at the Capitol insurrection, you can look at so many terrorist attacks in the country being done by extremist, fundamentalist Christians. And white nationalists. And that does not define all Christians. No. Just as the people responsible for September 11th do not define all Muslims.
0: Well, and I think maybe it's important to bring up also the rise of the tea party movement now it may not be a direct direct correlation or cause from the 9-11 attacks but definitely had some impact of the rise of the tea party movement with these extremist attitudes and now they may not be as, as extremist like some of the terrorists that we were talking about before but even just in conservative government overall the rise of the tea party movement just took a lot of this nationalism and djangoism and just rode with it throughout the rest of the decade throughout the remainder of the bush administration to to Obama's administration and even using the term Muslim as a pejorative to try to stick Obama with to hide their racism against. So what do you think was the general fallout of like the Tea Party movement in government per se? Do you think it'd be Trump? Do you think that's like the climax or the great point that it came to? Or do you think it's something that happened sooner than that because of these extremist ideas or just nationalism in general?
1: It certainly changed the GOP, moved it away from like the Paul Ryan's. Right of the world into the Ron Johnsons taking two Wisconsin congressmen
0: it's not much about nuanced issues it's more about symbol, or like taking symbolic gestures about things and leaning against those symbols like the flag the military things like that
1: and it was all astroturfed by corporations because at the heart of it it's a libertarian idea of small government low taxes no regulation let the corporations run everything and do what they want that is the Tea Party movement, and that doesn't have any direct correlation with September 11th, but it hijacked that nationalism.
0: Well, I mean, it's about freedom. We say it forever. It's a part of our culture. We have freedom here. The actual uh, mission to go into Afghanistan was called Operation Enduring Freedom. So when we're talking about this idea of we're not like anyone else, we are our own unique country with our own freedom in it, that was enough for a lot of people.
1: And we'll export that around the world.
0: Yeah. We're the world police, which, you know, shows a lot of other things that happened since that, like we talked about um, in earlier episodes, like with Syria and um, Libya and just even South America, things like that, because we thought because we were doing it in the Middle East, we could do it anywhere.
1: And that transition from the war in Afghanistan to the war on terror. Yes. Is really the turning point. And I think that's where I started to change my positions because it was becoming clear that we were looking at at a period of unending military conflict and that certainly is what has happened and yes we may have just taken troops out of Afghanistan but we're still just constantly involved in conflict around the world under the guise of the war on terror which that act I, I can't remember the name of the act uh, that was passed at that time but it gave the president powers that he should have never had and still has. it doesn't have to go through congress anymore no
0: it's just he can declare it as he sees right well heck we even talked about game of thrones right before this where spoilers where daenerys was even talking about after she took king's landing at the end that she wanted to go liberate all of the other kingdoms and bring freedom to those kingdoms where in her case it was death and destruction but via Dragon. Well
1: very much applicable to the way the united states spreads right we're gonna bring you freedom, freedom by bombing you and killing
0: you and that, drones you know, right and we talked about this in the F- Afghanistan war episode, which was the Afghan civilians took a huge hit that we just don't talk about over here. And we need to understand that when we went into Afghanistan and just other places for this war on terror, we are killing thousands and thousands and thousands of civilians who have no part in any of this because we're trying to bring freedom to them.
1: And we wonder why the number of terrorists and terror groups is constantly growing. Yes. We're making them. And
0: I want to get your thoughts on just the overall view of the military afterwards. I mean, we already talked about how general approval of the war was going really high, but I also think how we viewed the military and soldiers and veterans significantly changed after nine eleven, and then also after the initial departure to go to war with Afghanistan.
1: To me, that's something that happened in the 90s after Desert Storm. You saw people wearing Operation Desert Storm t-shirts sure. and really fetishizing the United States military the tanks and everything to do with that that's something that was kind of ongoing already and just got ratcheted up by you know this further war that we were involved in i don't i didn't really pay that much attention to the military i've had a lot of my family that have served but they're all much older so no one that was currently in the military at that time that i really had any Con- contact with, but it was I think something that was pushed very heavily by the the cable news cycle, and that constant footage and embedding with the troops and talking to them and everybody you know whenever they would come home, and it's become this thing now, right? The the troop returns home yeah. and surprises their family, and it's become this huge thing where you know you have to thank the troops, you have to cheer for them, and and they're used as props and as propaganda
0: well heck even i was just at a brewer's game i mean now they have for the last i think like a couple of years now a hero of the game where yeah, they just been, find yeah
1: ongoing for a while yeah
0: where they just have a random veteran to sit and then everyone just stands up and applauds them and i mean that's just a part of our culture now and it's gotten to the point where anything is seen as an attack on the military and the people who served. and of course you know we could talk about like the history of like with vietnam where soldiers and veterans were just treated like garbage after that because a Helpful. I think there's
1: some dispute as to how accurate that really was. Too.
0: Sure. I, I even have veterans who are also in Vietnam and they felt that exact same thing. But you know, we could talk about that, but even then, I think this is also a backlash to even that, just trying to make sure that we don't do ever that
1: again. But even then, it's just we Well, you can't it's it's almost the same thing we are talking about where it's it's should be fine to criticize the ideas of Islam without attacking racist. Muslims. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with the military. You should be able to attack the concept of what the American military is and what it does and what it accomplishes and its impact is around the world without attacking the individual troops. But it's not even just
0: criticizing the military. It's criticizing anything with the country anymore. You are attacking the military. You're attacking the troops. There is an episode I'll link in the show notes from the New York Times podcast, The Argument, where there were two. Now, this one actually wasn't an argument for this episode, but it was two. I think marines i want to say they were one was for sure a marine who served in afghanistan right from the get-go and they talked about how they view the military today after the fallout of 9-11 and one of them brought up colin kaepernick and the backlash to colin kaepernick for kneeling during the national anthem even though a green beret was the one that told him to do that and now this or this argument is probably very old at this point but the idea that you're protesting anything with the country or the flag at all or the national anthem means that you are disrespecting the the troops are spitting on the graves of those who died for you. I mean, that's how far the national is embedded now in our culture because of these movements throughout the early 2000s and well, even the 90s.
1: And the reality is too that we don't support the troops, not really. No, like we you're talking about like funding and yeah, we yeah. don't do anything. One, they're they're underfunded while they're fighting. They don't have the equipment that they need. We just funnel billions of dollars to defense contractors, and we don't care about the actual individual troops and then they get injured they get exposed to all sorts of horrific things they have PTSD when they come home we don't have the programs in place to help them they end up being homeless committing suicide at much higher rates than the average citizens and we don't do anything but we spend hundreds of billions of dollars every year in defense spending but we can't find the 10 20 million dollars to Build these programs for veterans. We don't support the troops. Yeah, we have we all clap for them at the baseball game. We thank them for their service. And then he goes home and kills himself, and nobody does anything about it.
0: Well, and because that's why I said, and now it definitely was the GOP that took on a lot of this, but it's also not just them, it's everybody. Where we became much less about these nuanced issues anymore and more about just rallying around symbols. It's much easier to thank a veteran for their service than actually learning about all the the ways that you can actually help veterans and give money to veterans in a way that is sustainable where sure there are charitable organizations like the wounded warrior project and things like that but we need real structural change for these things to make veterans lives better if we actually want to care about these people and we just don't want to do that because it's just not super easy not right in front of us so we need to remember that this whole idea of moving towards symbolism and adoring the military and the flag and stuff like that that's the easy way out and that's where people like i remember john stewart was trying to bring to light with the that wasn't the military necessarily but it was the first responders bill do you remember that after mm-hmm. and he tried so hard he was screaming from the rooftop saying you love these people to death supposedly but you're not willing to put the money for it and you call out a lot of the conservative hypocrites who would play the jangoistic stuff all day long but then never raise a finger to actually help these veterans and these first responders
1: they wouldn't even propose the bill no for the longest wouldn't. time they wouldn't and that of course was mitch mcconnell
0: right so even that was politicized because at the end of the day and especially right now the GOP only cares about evaluating the symbols themselves and not actually doing anything around the issues at hand and that, that's something that's going to have long damaging harmful effects for decades to come because now it's embedded in our culture and once you embed something like that it doesn't go away
1: well I think moving forward what can we do to actually improve people's lives. It's the same thing that I said last week. You have to embrace progressive plans. Veterans don't get the health care they need. If everyone had free health care, they'd be taken care of. Veterans end up homeless. Let's take care of all of the homeless people. We would also help them. Mental health care is inadequate. Let's improve mental health care for everyone. Let's stop the high suicide rates and issues with PTSD. I think we just had a news story. Last week, where a former Marine in Florida who was exhibiting signs of PTSD seemingly snapped and killed a random family in a house and ended up in a standoff with police. Those types of things we don't take care of in our country. And we don't need to just focus on the military, but if we fixed it for everyone, that would also fix it for vets coming home. And we need to stop this war on terror that has accomplished absolutely nothing except create more terror terrorist groups and more terrorists around the world in the last 20 years and kill U.S. soldiers in the process and as we said countless civilians and, and then we would stop creating all of these traumatized veterans that are coming home constantly
0: and I know we're kind of wrapping up a little bit on this but I want to have the last bit just talking about how we should remember the 9-11 attacks today and even using that moving forward you know we hear the phrase never forget unfortunately thrown around way too often and unfortunately it's not serious usually when it's said but I think there is something that should definitely be remembered and we should learn from what happened. I want to ask you what you think that is.
1: I think the most important thing is to understand what precipitated that attack. What did Al-Qaeda want? Do they really just hate our freedom? Because that's a bunch of bull. The problem, the thing that they are upset with, the thing that they're fighting against, and it's not because we're Christian and they're Muslim, it's because they don't like the way the U.S. uses its influence as a superpower in the Middle East. And that's something that we should have an honest discussion about. Is that letting them win? Is that giving them what they want? No, but it's something we should honestly talk about. What is our relationship with Israel? And we talked about this a few weeks ago with the occupation of the Palestinian areas and pushing them out and the the treatment of Palestinians by Israel and the fact that the United States is mostly responsible for propping that up and continuating that and that's a big part of the issue that these terrorist groups have with the United States and it's something that we should be honest about and not just chant USA USA and hug the flag and say that we do no wrong when it's not the case
0: yeah, I think that's a good segue into my last question I have for you and I'm gonna bring it all the way back full circle which is have you seen the September 12th meme that's been going around
1: no personally no
0: okay so I'll I'll say it just to make sure, but basically there's a meme that goes around that says, "Well, I never wish that we'd have another September 11th, I long for the days of a September 12th again, where we set aside our differences. It didn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, Christian or Muslim, we were all Americans.
1: So, Except for the Muslims well, that were being attacked in the streets. Okay, we well, are going to attack it right away, fine.
0: <laughs> but I wanted to ask, are we ever going to have that, and was that a futile effort to even think about using that as an example of unity? Because even even though there was definite unity that happened, and we should really cherish the lives we came together to cherish those lives that were lost—not even just in the terrorist attacks that happened on September 11th, but in the war that followed. How should we even be united, like people want to imagine September 12th was?
1: I, because I, I don't understand exactly the feeling that they're getting at. Because again, I'm not—I'm not really a rah-rah. Let me go out to a parade and and you know hold up a flag. It's hard for me to even. Kind of grasp that ideal that they're longing for. Sure. It seems like it's something that still happens constantly. If you're just going with like dumb displays of nationalism for seemingly no reason, you can still get that.
0: Well, I mean, so I think that's kind of what I was going to answer for my question before of what I would take away from those attacks, which was the feelings that we felt afterwards were not actually the true feelings that were being embedded within us. We weren't being brainwashed per se. We weren't being controlled or manipulated. Well, I mean, we were being manipulated, but unintentionally probably even more so. The feelings that we felt of unity at that time were not actually a unified feeling. It dealt a lot with racism, djangoism, nationalism, anger, fear, just vengeance, anything you can think of. Very simplistic and instinctual emotions that are definitely reasonable, but led to some serious major consequences of how we view people today. And going all the way up to Trump's Muslim ban to how we view Muslim representatives in Congress, those feelings stay. So try not to get wrapped up in this feeling of, well, it was better back then or how or that we were actually cherishing the lives appropriately back then, because we probably weren't. We were going through real trauma together, everyone as a country, and we all processed it very differently. And sure, while it may be very easy to say we were all just united together, it probably wasn't the case. We just wanted that to be what was going on.
1: I think to close that it is important to remember the people that died in the September 11th attack and that we do need to stay vigilant to avoid things like that in the future. It's not a good idea to try to use them as props and to
0: use those memories and feelings to actually benefit the country and not just the country but the world and really make the entire world a place where we can actually have the unity that we so long for and bring up everyone's lives regardless of race religion belief systems bring out and really fight for that structural change that will hopefully get us to where we want to be again thank you for listening we hope to see you in the next episode You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ThinkProPod. You can email us at ThinkProPod at gmail.com. And remember, when in doubt, think progressively.